0: Hey everyone, this is Eliza D, and welcome back for another episode of How to Save the Planet, a show where we interview people who have jobs in climate change or environment. Now, let's get started. With us today, we have Dr. Sarah Wise. Sarah is an environmental anthropologist interested in coastal communities, marine governance, and climate change. Her research explores how people make decisions under changing social-ecological conditions and how this affects livelihoods, resource use, and daily life. Sarah's work examines perceptions of the marine environment as unique and highly productive biogeographical social spaces. After graduating from Mount Holyoke College with a BA, Sarah worked on tall ships as a science educator for several years. She received her M.S. in Environmental Policy from Bard Center for Environmental Policy and continued on to getting her Ph.D. in Anthropology. After graduating from Rutgers, Sarah completed a postdoc at Maram Center for Marine Environmental Science at Bremen University in northern Germany. She then returned to the U.S. to conduct her research on the technology and practice of marine spatial planning in the Northeast. In 2017, Sarah began her work at the Alaska Fisheries Science Center, contributing anthropological perspectives and mythologies in order to better understand social and cultural complexity within coastal communities in the North Pacific and Arctic. Okay. Hello and welcome, Sarah, to How to Save the, the Planet. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really great to have you um so what do you what do you do where do you where do you work
1: currently i am a social scientist with the alaska fishery science center which is a branch of noaa that's a research branch and we're based in seattle washington but all of our research is in the north pacific area
0: that's really cool so do you have to like go go out to the north pacific much yes yeah
1: Although right now, because of the pandemic, we're not doing any traveling. But prior to traveling, I'd have to go up to Alaska um, for research purposes a few times a year or perhaps to go to some meetings, some council meetings, things like that.
0: Nice. cool. what got you interested in the work that you do? It's
1: it was a a sort of a twisted path or twisty path that I took. So I was really interested in conservation and I decided to get my master's in environmental policy because I wanted to get involved in policy making in favor of, to support conservation mm-hmm. efforts. And I got a position with the um, American Museum of Natural History in New York doing research in the Bahamas on marine protected areas. And what became very, very clear were issues of equity and justice regarding any sort of environmental conservation or um, protection regulation that was going on. So I became really interested in how science and policy merged and how science informed policy and particularly in relation to how it affected the people on the ground. Cool. So once I, I got my master's, I decided I wanted to get more involved on in the people side. So I got my PhD in anthropology, having to do um, really looking specifically at fisheries and um, marine environmental, um, anthropology.
0: Nice. It sounds like you are interested in like so many different, different threads and you kind of found like a way to like tie them all together, which is, it's, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: (laughs) Why do you do the work that that you do?
1: I think what you just said really rings true. I love the fact that I can, learn every single day. I, I get to learn new things and explore and jump into new topics all the time. So it's never boring. Uh, and I get to work on projects that are really important to somebody. And whether that's um, a small community that is working to maybe relocate housing um, because of sea level rise or diminishing ice or um perhaps fish are moving and so there's there's some uncertainty as to you know fishing how fishing is going to be done in the future, mm. and so these issues become really, really important to livelihood to survival, and to ways of living. To somebody, and I get to experience that um, in a kind of a very rich, thorough way for a period of time.
0: Cool. That sounds like a, a rewarding job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what degrees did you
0: get, and where'd you go to to school?
1: Uh, I got my bachelor' degree uh, at Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts. In Um, South Hadley, Massachusetts. And then I took some time off and tried a lot of different projects and jobs and uh, did many different things. And then I decided I wanted to get my master's in environmental policy because, as I mentioned earlier, I was really interested in the conservation. And then I realized that environmental policy was really strong, or at least the program I was in, very strong in science and um, economics, uh, the political science part of it, but didn't really emphasize human behavior much. And I realized that a whole lot has to do with human behavior. So I then went, um, took a year in between, and then I got, went back to school to get my PhD in anthropology, cultural anthropology with an emphasis on environmental, anthro. Cool. Oh, sorry. And that the master's was in uh, Bard Center for Environmental Policy, which is in upstate New York. And the Ph.D. was at Rutgers University
0: in New Jersey. You just jumped all around the East, the East Coast. (laughs) Um, Yes. Can you tell us about your research that you have have done or are doing?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you about two projects I'm working on right now. One is about um, dietary changes in St. Lawrence Island, which is a small island uh, in the northern Bering Sea off the coast of Alaska, so off Nome, really. And there's two villages on the island, which are Yupik villages and marine... um, Marine mammal harvest is a pretty key portion of everybody's diet there, as well as other subsistence processes. But because of climate change, there's really um, very radical changes happening now, including many more storms, reduced sea ice, rising sea level, and then of course, differences in how animals are moving and the, when they're moving, what time of year. So this is affecting how people are eating and living and we're working on a project um, doing interviews of people in both villages and how things have changed for them in the past five, 10 and 25 years. Wow,
0: you're very I'm involved. A second. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, so oh. you're making a, diff- a difference.
1: Yeah, and it's super interesting. It's super interesting to hear people's life stories um, from these areas. And a second project I'm working on is, um, actually we just finished a project and it's gonna be up online fairly soon, but looking at um, women uh, salmon fishers in the Bristol Bay region of Alaska. And how, again, how things have changed in over generations. So at times we interviewed, P- three generations of women, grandmothers, mothers and granddaughters wow. who fish together and um, and getting their different perspectives of how things have have changed over the years, not just in terms of climate, but also in terms of like who's living in these areas and how that's changed and how fisher um surviving differently in the rivers and, and that sort of thing. So we've put all of those interviews into a um, archives and they're accessible um, uh, for anybody who wants to listen and we're also doing a web story about those women and how um, fishing practice has changed over the years.
0: Cool, it sounds like you've combined science and people really, really well. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so one last thing. What encouragement or hopeful thoughts could you give our listeners around solving this
1: this, this climate crisis? One thing that I come across um, all the time in my work is curious kids. And I mean, curious people, people in general, but really kids who have a million questions and a million ideas and who are managing to put things together and see uh, new ways of moving forward and have great questions about why we may be as a society doing things certain ways, why we might do them new ways. And that gives me hope all the time, just the energy and the curiosity and the incredible um, ingenuity of kids about who are experiencing real um, and very uh, meaningful changes in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. And I think there's real hope there because they have, they have great ideas and I think if there's the support and the frameworks in place so that some of those ideas can continue to build and continue to grow and they can start networking, then some of these can grow into bigger projects. And I think that's where the hope really lies for me.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's all in the youth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank right. so much for... for um joining us today Sarah it was really great to have you and speak to you
1: yeah my pleasure it was really wonderful and good luck this is a great project thank you okay bye bye Eliza
0: thanks so much everyone for joining us today for another episode of how to save the planet see you next time